You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back. It is the NFC's mixtape, the greatest podcast ever made in the history of the universe. The only one available on two different SB Nation podcast feeds. Bleeding Green Nation, your home for Philadelphia Eagles content, led, of course, by Brandon Lee Gowden. That's who he is. I am RJ Ochoa from Blog and the Boys, your home for Dallas Cowboys content. We are playing nice once a week. In case anybody's new around here because football is back, the NFC East mixtape is, in fact, a mixtape where we talk all things NFC East. BLG, there's a lot of acronyms on this show. How goes it? RJ, this is the first podcast we're really doing since... All the teams in the NFC East have started training camps. So there's a lot of action to get to with most of the teams. One of them, maybe not so much, but most of the teams, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's do it. That's right. Uh, actually, there's so much action that we're recording like six hours later than we usually record. So uh, shout out to our phenomenal producer, Rachel, for accommodating us because we suck. But um, I think we should start with the New York Giants, BLG. Hmm. I kind of, I'm in that mood. Um, is that okay with you? Yeah, the football giants, of course. Oh, my gosh. I have some takes on this. Uh, so uh, the New York Giants had a day on Tuesday, BLG. Wide receiver Kenny Galladay, who you fought hard for when we made our NFC East All-Star team, walked off of the practice field and towards Giants trainers after a rough-looking play. He grabbed the back of his left leg. Lots of people obviously wondering about hamstring injuries. It is just training camp, but hamstring injuries always a terrifying thing because they never seem to go away. That might be the least of the New York football Giants' problems, BLG, because a scrum broke out. Now, I'm going to read a series of tweets from Ralph mm -hmm. Bacciano, uh, who covers the Giants for SNY. Uh, so here we go with my own personal twist on them, of course. A full-team brawl at Giants camp with QB Daniel Jones somehow at the bottom of the pile. Joe Judge is absolutely livid. He's got the players lined up now to run. Hard to see exactly what happened. Corey Clement took a big hit at the end of a run. Evan Ingram retaliated, and then he got popped by Logan Ryan. Then everybody, and I mean everybody, jumped in. After doing 100-yard runs and not hard enough for Joe Judge's liking, players are now lined up on the goal line doing push-ups. There is dead silence except for Joe Judge's whistle and his expletives. So many expletives. Giants players are running line to our goal line to goal line again and again and now back to push-ups. Joe Judge is doing his best Herb Brooks imitation now. Topical given that it is Olympic time. Now Joe Judge gathered his players around him and sent his coaches away. He wants them all to himself and now practice is mercifully over. Wow. I've never seen Joe Judge that angry. Actually, I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone that angry. BLG, your thoughts. Well, there's a lot to unpack from what you just read. My number one thought is, why is a quarterback getting involved in any Seriously? kind of fight or scrum? I mean, imagine your quarterback being out for this season because they were involved in a training camp fight or, you know, or missing time, whatever. Right. Not a, a game. Not a, uh, a Geno type of fight, like an actual fight. 
mm-hmm. that yeah like that they weren't even directly involved in either um not great another thing Corey clement double agent because Ooh, i mean you know, i like former eagles player uh you know getting into the mix potentially and it's not like he's the one who seems like initiated it he was like the one who kind of was the victim or whatever at least perceived victim uh and that's why it got caused because of that but maybe he took that big hit because he knew third uh rj you know i cover the the eagles but you know i have other sources too so i checked in on some of my giant sources and it turns out that They've been really frustrated this whole offseason. They've had a lot of pent-up anger and aggression. They're still mad about the Eagles tanking in Week 17, and they couldn't win for the NFC East at six, with six wins. So I think this is it. I think this is the culmination of all that frustration, just getting out onto the practice field, and they're fighting each other, and everything's fine. This is a great tone setter for the Giants. I'm sure they're going to have a great season after this. This is sometimes weird things happen in camp, and like people make big deals out of them, and they're really not big deals. I don't think this is that. This is there's clearly some the again, shout out to Ralph Acciano who did a great job describing this, but it seems like based on the description here, Joe Judge was way too excited to to go like full, you know, authoritative person on this and and to be like, no coach is allowed here. I'm gonna be the one that cusses them out. And this idea of like you're gonna run, you know, up and down my field and you're gonna do push-ups. I mean, this is just this is stupid. This is actually really dumb. Like that in no way is going to fix whatever the problem was here. I've never seen a training camp that bad, like personally. And obviously I didn't get pictures or video of it, just the, just based on the description. Like you know, I've been covering Eagles training camps since 2013. Um, so this is my ninth training camp. And like I've never seen a fight that bad. And I've seen some like, you know, some dust ups or whatever. And I've seen other teams practice in terms of like the Eagles having joint training camp practices. And there used to be a rule. I remember back in my first training camp that I covered that if anyone got in a fight when the Eagles and Patriots were practicing, they would automatically be ejected from practice. So to this day, I'm convinced Kerry Williams purposely got in a fight with someone. I can't remember who it was. So he didn't have to practice anymore early in practice. So kind of a smart veteran move there. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't know. This isn't usual to me. I don't think training camp fights always mean, oh, there's discord and disharmony and the season's going to be a disaster. I don't think that always means that because uh, in training camp, look, I get why fights could start. You're It's hot. You're going against the same teammates every day. You know, maybe this one guy's kind of doing a little bit extra in addition to like the drill. You know, maybe he's like really trying to rip the ball out or whatever. Or he's going like a little bit harder than they should. Like they're in pads or whatever, but like they're not actually tackling to the ground. And this guy lays a big hit on when it was kind of just like unnecessary and the play was kind of over. So I get, you know, I get why these things can kind of come up. But uh, this, like you said, this kind of feels different. It seemed different based on the description. Uh, and the, then the Joe Judge twist on it all. It's not only that the like altercation happens, but then he has to like take it to like a thousand and just like have all these weird kind of uh, penalties and restrictions and like not treating players like they're adults, but kind of kids. Yeah, this had a really high school flair to it. Um, as my dog barks in the background again, our, our different recording time has a uh, has led to some different uh, environmental, uh, you know, variables well, for me. That's par for the course. The bear always sends it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, but still, bears. It's it's lightning and thundering around us right now, and so he's obviously pissed off about it. Um, the the first words of the thread of tweets is really what kind of made this different for me because the the biggest fights i've ever seen 
are either one-on-one like one wide receiver one defensive back like you're right like somebody's just been pressing all day long all day long and somebody finally snapped and couldn't take it anymore or joint practices where you've got team x versus team y a full team brawl as ralph put it in his tweet um i just can't like does do they all hate each other you know what i mean like that's a lot of pent-up aggression or pent-up emotion and and you're right like why is Daniel Jones any not only anywhere near this, but how is nobody? I mean, nobody on the team like get away from Daniel Jones. You know what I mean? Like that should be the, the first thing that everybody's thinking and kind of screaming in the middle of all this. Yeah. Uh, so checking in on Big Blue View with uh, what Ed Valentine had to say. I mean, he, you know, Ed has a good story. So actually, you know, everyone should go there and uh, check out kind of his recap and everything. I saw that like Daniel Jones. Uh, wanted to get in because he said he doesn't see himself as separate from the rest of the team so like so stupid it's so dumb it's weird like buying credibility what a joe judge quarterback thing to say oh my gosh i mean you know that'll really buy his teammates support when he gets replaced anyway he's not going to be good enough this year or whatever but uh yeah uh so the whole thing thing seems kind of silly um you know i don't think it matters in the long run in terms of like again they're gonna have a bad season because of this one fight but yeah it's it's, maybe it is a peek into things and that things maybe the chemistry isn't amazing but that's that's also not like incredibly hard to think about one because as you mentioned i believe on last week's or recently uh one of our shows recently rj that the giants have like the worst record in football since what 2017 and and along with the jets right so they've been bad for a long time so yeah and also because they signed a bunch of free agents that like you know like kenny galladay like adory jackson um who we think are good players like james radbury who are good talents and that is the upside to signing players in free agency who are really talented is you get good players one of the potential downsides is they're not homegrown guys and sometimes they're coming in and that can create different dynamics i saw that firsthand in 2011 with the dream team like that team had no chemistry they had like negative chemistry um in part because they weren't like homegrown players they were like all these mercenaries coming together so so maybe that's some of it too um two last things for me or three last things one we've talked before about how the giants don't really have like any juice right i thought about this and i thought like who would be the giant that i would expect to see you know, being interviewed on NFL Total Access, right? Like the, the the guy who's like, you know, standing at the the social distance microphone, like talking about this. And I can't think of anyone. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no like face to them. I suppose you could say Saquon Barkley, but like, you know, I, I can name like five Cowboys who would be out there, you know, addressing the scrum or whatever that happened. I could think of several Eagles. I could think of several Washington football players, but I can't think of a single giant that that has that that is is in that group. Mike McCarthy, for example, recently talked about the Cowboys leadership council and how it's there's 14 players on it. I mean, I, I can. That's a different point. But my point is, like, there are visible faces to it. Like the Giants don't have that. Like they're just a bunch of I don't say nobodies, but they're just a bunch of guys. I would say if we're not counting Daniel Jones, the quarterback, or Saquon Barkley, like the obvious best player, most prolific player on the team, um, it's probably Logan Ryan after that, who has been pretty involved when it comes to like media stuff. And I don't think he's a star player, so it's kind of weird in that regard. I think he's a good player, quality player, but um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think I think it would be Logan Ryan, who only joined the team last year, right? Right. (laughs) Like uh, 
He's not and, like, this and barely time. joined them. Like it, he wasn't like an early free. Like that's yeah. Um, okay, so my yeah, he second joined them during the season, didn't he? Yes, I, that's okay. what I'm saying. Like it, but okay. My second thing I mentioned, I have three. Uh, I think it's necessary to call out Jason Garrett. Um, I don't know that this will um, bother you. It didn't really bother me, but. I don't know if you remember, uh, you do a great job trolling Cowboys fans, so maybe you remember this. Jason Garrett's like mantra as the Cowboys head coach was fight. That was like a, a big thing. Like there were all sorts of <laughs> there were all sorts of signs like everywhere that said fight, period. And you know, that was like his thing, like, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna fight, you know, like we're gonna fight, uh, you know, whatever. And it, like he would give some I maintain he's a really charismatic person and he would give some really incredible speeches centered around this idea. Every year, BLG for any Eagles fan that's underwear. When the Cowboys would show up to Oxnard in their in their rooms, they'd have new T-shirts and tumblers with that year's like slogan or phrase or whatever like printed on them. Fight was a really common theme. I saw this dude walking around the Giants' practice that was all you know scrummed up, wearing a T-shirt that said "Fight," and not only did it say "Fight." But it said fight in the like Giants font and it had the mm. line going underneath yeah. like the way the I was so pissed off by this. Like, what are you doing, dude? Get some new like I wasn't I wasn't offended that he mm. took like the Cowboys thing. I'm just like offended. Like you're a really bright person. Think of some new stuff. Get some new material, JG. So Joe Judge punishes all these players after there's literal instruction to fight. So, yeah, bad coaching <laughs> job by Joe Judge. What are you doing? And Jason Garrett. Uh, and Jason my last. Garrett. My last thing on the Giants, uh, what do we make of the Kenny Galladay injury situation, if there is one at all? Uh, I'd say it's one to monitor. I'd put it in that category. Uh, it sounds like we haven't heard anything that it's like, it hasn't taken the Carson Wentz turn of like, mm. hey, Carson Wentz has this foot, or Kenny Galladay, I'll say in this case, has this foot injury. And, you know, it's not that bad. Uh, actually, it is kind of not great any but he's not going to miss week one. Well, actually, he is going to miss week one. Or actually, now he's going to be out five to 12 weeks. Um, So I guess we haven't seen that bad uh, news cycle follow this so far. But, I mean, it's an, it's an, eye, it's an eyebrow rager because he's had injury issues, right? He's coming off of injury issues. So uh, it's not nothing. Uh, I think that's well said. Good job by you roasting the Giants. Good job by me roasting Jason Garrett. Um, let's go to Philadelphia. I don't care if this is out of your precious order. Um what a classic Eagles thing in terms of who the team has been over the last few years, that the biggest Eagles story has nothing to do with the Philadelphia Eagles right now in Carson Wentz. Uh, by now, everybody knows the foot injury. He's out amazingly either five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11, or 12 weeks. Um, but, you know, hey, let's totally trust the Colts. They're always forthcoming when it comes to injury situations and their quarterbacks. Um, we found out on Tuesday, BLG, that Quentin Nelson is also out with the same exact injury, ironically, or not ironically, but also out five to 12 weeks. You know, two injuries, you can't pinpoint exactly when this is going to heal up. Um, obviously, this impacts the Eagles and therefore impacts the division because, correct me if I'm wrong here, Carson has to play 70% of snaps if the Colts are a playoff team for the Philadelphia Eagles to get Indianapolis's first round pick. If they are not a playoff team, he has to play 75% of snaps. Otherwise, that is a second round pick. Uh, we obviously don't know how many snaps there are going to be throughout the season, but uh, in order for Carson to play 70% of games, he would have to come back in 10 weeks. Do What do we think about all this? Uh, I think the expectation for Eagles hands has to shift that it's more likely than not not going to be a first round pick. 
it's going to be the second round pick. I think the hope has almost become like it's a high second round pick now because Carson <laughs> Wentz missed time and Quentin Nelson could miss time. And, you know, like the Colts are not well positioned, I feel like, in that division to be the favorites anymore, especially with Jacob Eason, who's a total unknown and not, not even just like a total unknown and he hasn't played in the NFL before. But like, again, I was talking to stats about this on the SB Nation NFL show on Tuesday, the podcast, the best SB Nation NFL show, mm. um, that like Easton's college track record isn't like particularly inspiring either. You know, he's not like this really intriguing fourth round pick from a couple years ago. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think the Colts are in a great spot. And that's obviously a bummer for the Eagles from the sense of you really want that first round pick. Obviously, like the most ideal situation is that Wentz kind of came in this year and he wasn't great. He was he was good enough to prevent the Colts from benching him, but not good enough to kind of keep them. Maybe like, let's say, pick 18, 15, like they get it around there. Like they weren't going to get it top 10, probably because the Colts would just bench him at that point. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not counting on it. Maybe it's there's a non-zero chance they still get it. But the flip side of this, RJ, is that. Uh, for as much as it's probably you know kind of good news for maybe the Cowboys or the, uh, these other rival teams to see the Eagles not get that first round pick, there is like a silver lining in the sense that it doesn't seem like this is the Carson Wentz revenge tour does really well <laughs> and makes the Eagles like look super stupid for like trading him. So I don't think you're going to get that kind of satisfaction out of this. I feel like we are plenty full of eagles looking stupid when it comes to carson wentz stuff for a while like we've got enough to hold us over for the long haul here um i do find it to be absolutely amazing like how this is the number one story in the nfl right now given that carson was literally one of the worst quarterbacks in the nfl last year and so we're making this big to do about him missing time which was incredibly predictable i also think uh, another sub story to this the NFC East plays the AFC South in 2022. And, you know, if Indianapolis is down a first or second round pick, that obviously you would imagine makes them easier to beat next season. And if they are further into quarterback purgatory, like th this casts their 2022 season into doubt too, right? Because I think the worst possible case for Indianapolis, I know this is the NFC East mixtape, but is they don't identify what Carson is to them in 2021 and they have to run it back in 2022. And they're like, well, we're already committed. We got the contract on the books, whatever. And then they're just playing, you know, Wentz, Eason, Ellinger, Brett Hundley, whatever. And they're just this again, team that the entire NFC East can kind of pick up on in 2022. I think that's important to know. Yeah. I think uh, the thing with Wentz, it's going to be interesting to see how the Colts proceed. Like, I don't think they're trading for Nick Foles because if they do, then you've already turned the page on the Carson Wentz era. Like he's not going to stand for that. Like, he, you can do it and it could be the best thing for your team, but Carson Wentz is not going to believe that. And he's going to want out. Like he's not going to be okay with that. I think like the only thing he might be okay with is like them signing rivers. If he's going to miss, you know, closer to the 12 weeks and like, you know, something like that where it's just obviously like a placeholder, but I don't know. But even then, like what if rivers is playing really well? So uh, it's a really weird dynamic. I don't know. There's so many different ways I feel like this could go. And yeah, I'm not going to get into the Colts of it all since it is the NFC East mixtape, but it is really interesting. And it is a bummer for the Eagles that they might not get that first round pick. The last thing on the Colts note of it all um, is the Quentin Nelson injury is important here because if you are the Colts and you want to bring Carson Wentz back to an offense that he hasn't conceivably worked with to that point in time, um, you know, with an entirely new set of circumstances that he hasn't worked with in that set of time, I feel like you can't do that until one of the best guards in football is there to help him. You know what I mean? So like 
if Carson somehow outpaces Quentin Nelson as far as the rehab process is concerned here, I still think that if you're the Colts, the smartest play is just to accept, you know what, let's make this the second round pick. Let's be smart. Let's take our time. And that would further damage the Eagles causes, obviously, towards getting the first round pick. Uh, but let's talk about the Eagles current first round pick, BLG, Devontae Smith. What's his deal? Yeah, so Devontae Smith got banged up on Saturday night's practice. We're recording this on Tuesday evening. Um, kind of just landed weird after making a catch, a nice catch, actually, on a ball that was thrown a little too low and uh, didn't practice anymore at that point. But he was still out of practice. Like He didn't go back from the, you know, the trainer's tent and the, the facility, and he just disappeared. And he wasn't at practice on Monday, but he was back at practice today on Tuesday and he was doing some work on the jugs machine and he was seemed to be in pretty good spirits i didn't see him limping at all and he kind of was stretching he wasn't like fully warming up with the team as they were doing warm-ups but he was kind of doing his own little stretch or whatever so i don't really think it's anything major now when the eagles say week to week and two to three weeks and past eagles times that means he could be like dead or just like (laughs) we'll never see him again so i don't always fully trust the eagles on this but based on what i'm seeing with my own eyes and what they are saying combined uh, I don't think this is a major thing. It's not ideal. You know, you want him out there as much as you can, I think, and you know, get him all these reps. But then again, like I think he's going to be fine. So I, I am worried about it from the sense of Devontae Smith is the number one thing to be excited about when it comes to the Eagles this year. And if he's not playing, that's like a big deal. Like just because of the magnitude of the topic, I am concerned more than, you know, zero. But like if, if we're saying on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably like at a two. I saw a blurb somewhere. I don't know where it was, uh, but just kind of like a, a story aggregated. The Eagles are tailoring their offense to Jalen Hurts' skill set. And I thought, like, how is this worthy of a blurb? Like, how is this? Like, how is this news? Duh. I mean, like, how is this? You know. Um, and so, like this, like weird take for you. I would almost mm. like to see Jalen Hurts without Devontae Smith early on. You know what I mean? Like, mm. because I think I would not. <laughs> but I, I, I know you would not. But I, I and this is this might be like galaxy brain level take, but like if he's if Jalen Hurts is awesome and Devontae Smith is as awesome as you keep wanting and willing him to be, that you could fall back on this like, well, what if he's not that awesome without Devontae Smith? You know what I mean? Like, mm. and so that's I just it's this I is hear what a, you're saying. This is a year of experimentation for the Eagles. So why not why not fully experiment if the opportunity presents itself? I'm not saying bench Devontae Smith. I'm just saying there there are blessings in disguise that come from a lot of different things. First of all, you're wrong, as always. Second of all, I get your point, but I think the Eagles, like, this is a very funny way to phrase it, I think, but they have not enough else at receiver to, like, not be worried about that. Like, Jalen Hurts is not going to be carried by, like, Devontae Travis Fulgham. And, like, yeah, well, and Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward and Jalen Rager, who I think looks bad, and I wrote about at bleedingreadation.com, my training camp practice notes today, and also talked about on the BGN podcast that we did for today, so check those out. Quez um, Watkins kind of looking good, though. Anyway... Yeah, I don't think you kind of have to worry about that. But speaking of Jalen Hurts, RJ, I kind of want to get into him a little bit because, you know, I feel like you kind of try to paint me as this Jalen Hurts hater, which I'm not, really. And I think that should be clear because I said the Eagles shouldn't draft a quarterback this year just to draft one because they think he's better than Jalen Hurts. They should draft one if they think he's like a superstar and they can't miss him. And they didn't, and I thought that was fine. And I was also okay with them passing on Justin Fields, which a lot of people were not, um, even trading up to do so. So... Where I'm at with Jalen Hurts in training camp is that I just think he's kind of been up and down. And I did a winners and losers post 
uh, RJ, as we all do, you know, on these blogs, it's it's what we do. We have to determine the winners and losers. And I put Jalen Hurts in the loser section, not because he's had a bad camp, but I don't think he looks night and day different from last year at all. Like, mm. there's still accuracy issues. He's still holding on to the ball too long. Again, not a terrible camp. Not like a totally worthless player. But like, but not the one the Eagles, he needed. The, the, yes, that's exactly the way. To, yes, exactly. Because the, the Eagles bar for him is very high, and I just don't see what he's done in camp that makes me believe that he's going to clear that bar. And now, again, I will say, first of all, it's a one-week camp. Second of all, uh, well, Devontae Smith hasn't been here for all of it. Third of all, this isn't necessarily his setting to thrive because it's like his mobility doesn't get like showcased in a practice setting where you can't tackle the quarterback anyway. So, you know, putting all those aside, though, I just haven't seen enough to make me feel awesome about it. Mm, and it really is – there's so much of the Eagles – like this is obvious because he's the quarterback, but there's so much of the Eagles' future – that swings one way or the other if he's awesome or if he's not this season, right? Um, like one option is if he's awesome, okay, now you have, well, no longer three, but you have two first-round picks to build around Jalen Hurts in the future. If he's not awesome, okay, are you going to pursue other options? Are you going to use that draft capital to do it? Are you going to pursue Deshaun Watson if that story continues to percolate? I mean, it's it's a true, you know, are you a fan of the TV show community? I, I think we've talked about this. I've There's seen a, the, some the, you I think because I make this reference a lot. There's a great episode that's all about like timelines. My point is there's a there's a number of different timelines the Eagles can follow depending on Jalen Hurts this season, which is why, like I said, you want to experiment. You want to see how good he is in different environments. Some of those environments are training camp. But I get your point, although I'm sure that there were a lot of BGN readers that were like, BLG hates Jalen Hurts. He called him a loser, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> which I which I didn't call him a loser. I put him mm-hmm. in the loser section category of a stock report kind of thing. Anyway. Um, okay. So anything else on the Eagles before we take off? Uh, you know, not really. I think uh, it's <laughs> been a fine camp for them. Uh, you could, everyone who doesn't already read my notes, uh, daily training camp practice notes uh, at com should do that to get a sense of what's going on. Uh, question for Cowboys fans, and I don't know the answer for the Giants or the Washington football team. Do the Eagles have any joint practices scheduled? And if so, with who? They have two, actually, which is Ooh, That's pretty new. rare, yeah. Yeah, since I, I mean, it might be ever. I don't know, you know, how far history goes back. I can't say that for sure. But as far as I know, in my lifetime, and since I've been covering the team, yeah, that is rare. They usually only have one at most. This year, they're going to be practicing against the Patriots in Philly, and then they're going up to Florham Park in New Jersey to practice against the jets before their final preseason game so looking forward to those because that'll be mm, interesting. the joe douglas showdown right on yes. um okay so we've talked about the giants we've talked about the eagles we're going to take a break and then blg will pick which team we talk about next don't go anywhere we are back vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. It is the NFC East Mixtape. Joe Douglas, if you're listening to the NFC East Mixtape, make sure you subscribe to both the Bleeding Green Nation and Block on the Voice podcast networks. Leave ratings on both. Write reviews on both. You can write whatever you want as long as you leave five star reviews what would joe douglas say about the blog of the voice podcast network DLG. i think he would say something not very nice it's a language i can't use here because he doesn't like the cowboys because uh you know he won a super bowl with the eagles and he still feels really sentimental about that to be clear you could use the language as long as we put the ex- explicit tag but we're not going to do that it's a family show sure. lots of lots of kids mm-hmm. listen in the car um dc or either dc obviously um you know whichever way you want to go Let's go with the Washington football team. Okay, and now since we're done with them, let's move on to the <laughs> – no. Um, I mean, we really, can't, there's, there's not a lot, so you're not wrong. There's not a lot, and look, like I go to Hogshaven all the time. You know, Obviously, they do the best job covering the Washington football team, and I actually think it's probably a positive for the Washington football team that they're not having like all these big dramatic storylines. Now, I think you kind of like to see a little bit more juice, you know, a little bit. Um, people a little bit more excited about certain things than I'm getting from the outside perspective. But in general, good that they're not really dealing with a lot of like, you know, drama that's kind of distracting, you know, from the on-field product, except RJ for the fact that, you know, we said this last week, I believe that Washington was coming into training camp as the least vaccinated team in the NFL. And obviously Ron Rivera, like very understandably frustrated about that. So I actually saw just now, uh, as we're you know leading up to the show today that washington's rate has since improved to 84 percent in terms of at least having one shot so it seems like the rate is up there which is good for you know humanity level like to see that the rate going up and everything um but look at the same time they have seven players or at least at one point they, they peaked at seven players on the reserve covid list which isn't the biggest deal because it's still very early in training camp but it's also not ideal like as that all these players are missing. So that's all that's going on with them. Yeah. Um, there's no real football news out of Washington, no. which is interesting. Their only, you know, news that they made is with regards to COVID. Uh, Ron Rivera, you mentioned it made a really passionate plea last week. I think it was right after we recorded actually. Um, and, and he talked about how obviously, I mean, his personal journey and, and overcoming cancer last year has left him immune deficient. And so he has to wear masks, you know, more, he can't just, you know, operate like, you know, the NFL has all these protocols that are different for people that are fully vaccinated. Ron Rivera can't, can't operate that way because of his own personal health and what he's been through over the course of the last year. Um, I kind of agree with you that it's a good thing that there's no juice coming out. I think that's really bad or potentially really bad, at least for the quarterback position. Like we haven't heard, Ryan Fitzpatrick is dealing. Ryan Fitzpatrick looks awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's almost as if that might not have been the best way they could have plugged that hole this offseason. I don't know. Weird thing. 
Uh, I think you're going to regret that a little bit, but we'll see. Um, I'm looking at the Washington football team subreddit here, even RJ, and I'm just not, there's like not a lot of like juicy headlines here. It's like one of the things, uh, one of the headlines here is stock report, unexpected push from DeAndre Carter while QB struggle. So obviously you like the QB struggle thing, but DeAndre Carter used to be on the Eagles and it was like a training camp crush once upon a time. So the fact that he is leading headlines there, uh, again, kind of just speaks to the juice level. Not a ton. I think I saw something about Lane and Collins having a real good training camp on Hogshaven. So mm. uh, I'll believe it when I see it. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to say that's interesting about this team. But again, might be a good thing for them. We'll see. Shout out to the most boring team in the NFL right now, it seems. At least from a football perspective. Um, okay, the Dallas Cowboys. I feel like you have questions. I feel like I can answer yeah. them. Um, you know, Again, the, 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 the NFC's mixtape is your oyster, BLG. Just tell me where you want to go. Well, I kind of want to know with the Hall of Fame game coming uh, up. About I don't want to talk some... about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know some players to watch. But before we get to that, how are we not going to talk about Dak Prescott taking a step uh, back? And it's, so, it's very fine shoulders. Nothing wrong with it at all. It's totally fine. It's just totally precautionary. There's no concern whatsoever. Why don't you tell me more about that? So, okay. Uh the muscle strain thing popped up last week after we recorded the mixtape because we do record on Tuesdays. And so, um, you know, it's been a while since that, you know, first happened and Dak has been a part of practice, hasn't missed practice, just, you know, has been through individual stuff, isn't throwing. He, he'll, he throws balls back. Like he lobs them with like his left hand. So, uh, sneaky positive Dak's strengthening his accuracy as a left-handed passer, you know, watch out for that great moment. Um, but, I think it's important context. Mike McCarthy wasn't, you know, he spoke about this on Tuesday because the Cowboys were off on Monday. And he said he wasn't like, we've taken a step back. It was more like, we've taken a step back, you know, Mm. and he talked about how they evaluated things on Monday, um, which seems to be true. Uh, For example, I don't know if you saw the clip of Michael Gallup doing a front flip over the uh, fence there in Oxnard, California. Um, I did not. He, he just was running past the ends on his momentum, took him way too far, and he just had to kind of like lean his body into it. It's, it's only like it goes up to like your waist and it has like a soft plushy top. So you just kind of let his momentum carry him over it. Um, so, for example, on Tuesday, the Cowboys moved that fence back. You know, good idea. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a lot of like self-scouting, so to speak, that happened within the organization. And look, it's August 3rd or right? today, at least, you know, tomorrow's August 4th. There's no need to rush. There's there's no need to push. There's no need to do anything. And I think it's very possible that the next time we see Dak throw, the earliest at least that we see him throw, in terms of practices are concerned, is not until next Tuesday, August 10th. The reason for that, Wednesday, today, that everybody's listening to this, the Cowboys are traveling to Canton for the Hall of Fame game. Tomorrow, obviously playing in the Hall of Fame game. Wednesday is their process of getting back and getting reacclimated. Saturday, they themselves have joint practices with the Los Angeles Rams. I would imagine that Matthew Stafford's not going to be part of those either because of the thumb issue he has going on with the Rams right now. Um, If I were Sean McVay or Mike McCarthy, I would obviously be taking my time with my franchise quarterback and letting him get back in. And I would not throw either one of them like to the wolves in terms of being another team. I would want their first practice back to be completely under my control, which isn't the case during joint practices. After Saturday, the Cowboys are off for two days, which is why I think the next time he might throw publicly could be next Tuesday. But uh, I mean, everybody, some people freak out because he's like a step back. It's like, this is training camp. And I do an important thing. I've been on a lot of podcasts over the course of the last week since this first happened. Something I've told everybody, so sorry for recycling this content. Um, When Dak got paid and he had that press conference, he talked about how 
you know, because the organization is making this huge financial commitment to him, that he has to be more cognizant of his body and of his health. And so I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if that means like if it's third and six and Dak Prescott's got two yards to go, is is he ducking out of bounds versus like reaching for the goal, the, the first down marker, you know, like stuff like that. But I mean, it, Dak saying, you know, I felt something you know, a little bit. And I didn't want to make a small thing worse. I, I completely buy that. And I buy that now, given his, you know, state of importance to the team that's been confirmed and reaffirmed by his the financial commitment the team's made to him, I could see him just being smart. There's there's no here's the other thing too. I mean, people have made so much about the Buccaneers returning all 22 starters from the Super Bowl, and that's a big deal. The Cowboys are returning all 11 intended offensive starters from last year. Um, so continuity in that sense. Their offensive coordinators in his third year, continuity. Their head coach is now in his second year. And literally every important component that surrounds Dak Prescott's game has been there for a long time. And so I'm not – I don't – Dak doesn't need – you know, early August reps with Michael Gallup for anyone to feel better about his game is my point. Uh, concern level skill one to 10. Three. I mean, and, and two wow. of those two, well, two of those three points are because like anytime anything's going on with your star franchise quarterback, like you, you yeah. have a natural concern. Um, and the, I would, so I would say it was like a two on Tuesday morning. And then I bumped mm-hmm. up to a three just because like there is a yeah. natural like, whoa, what's going on here? Like if you had to take any kind of step back. So a three right now and in a weird way. And I've been really positive for every team here today, except for the Giants. Um, but I was am still not a fan of the lack of effort the Cowboys made at the backup quarterback position this offseason. They did not. They, they You would think they would have learned from last season uh, after 2015 when Tony Romo missed a ton of time. They didn't learn from that. They brought Kellen Moore back to be their primary backup and spent a fourth round pick on Dak Prescott and got really, really, really lucky. Um, they did not bring in anybody new this offseason as far as quarterback is concerned. Garrett Gilbert is their top backup. They've got Cooper Rush, who they cut last year and spent time with Jason Garrett and the New York Giants. They have Ben DiNucci, who I know you know and love well. Um, and so the positive is that Garrett Gilbert is getting time that he otherwise wouldn't if Dak Prescott were healthy. So if he has to play a game or two games or something in an emergency, I, I mean, that's that's the most positive I can feel about this whole situation. Cowboys should trade for Nick Foles. Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl with Dallas. It's the weirdest career. It's like, the, <laughs> I mean, Nick Foles' career is so weird. It's like the, the next crazy, unbelievable twist. Um, I know a lot of Eagles fans just, you know, turned off the podcast or just, you know, they, they're like drowning their ears in bleach right now after me saying that. Obviously, I don't wish that happens. Um, and I'm just joking. But uh, it's interesting, RJ, because I think injuries like this, I'm, I agree with a lot of what you have to say. I don't think the Cowboys should be pressing the panic button or anything. It is early in training camp. It is the time to play it cautious, their franchise quarterback. But I mean, the fact that this is an issue to me kind of, you know, it just makes me wonder a little bit because we've seen Dak have an issue with this back in 2019, you know, the shoulder. I'm, and I'm wondering like, you know, is this something that's going to continue to bother him over time? And it's probably not going to cause him to miss any games, or at least early on this year. But, like, you know, it's something to file away. And, and maybe, especially even if he takes the hit, really, that's that's bad and kind of, you know, on that shoulder and something pops up or flares up again. So, yeah, it's not time to push the panic button, but it definitely is worth noting and filing away. Kind of like the, uh, the Kenny Galladay thing. Like, maybe that one's a little severe, but I'm putting it in that file away category still. It has, um, you know how things like this can be. Like, it has given birth to so many just so many takes like i saw floating around like well you know clearly like this was said in full seriousness 
Dak was was focusing too hard on rehabbing his ankle that he didn't yeah. focus on his arm. It's like, well, oh, you know what? You're right. I bet the professional quarterback who has a football field in his backyard really didn't focus on throwing this offseason. I totally believe that. That's that makes well, maybe sense. overcompensated though. Maybe he. I was mean, like, that, there's an argument to that, but but yeah. the the person th- this take was not said with that you know potential gotcha. um, you know. Gotcha qualifier uh but that's that's been the biggest story um i would say cd lamb looks incredible which i'm happy is, is so hard for you to hear uh but he is i mean he is the real deal and and that's a really like he has superseded the hype which is really difficult to imagine Super but lamb to the hype yeah right thank you for that we'll use that uh when the cowboys beat the eagles and cd has 300 yards uh but i mean he he is the star of training camp right now. And I wanted to say this too, because I, I, I've had my own questions about him. I would say the secondary star of camp is Randy Gregory. He mm. looks really good and it's easier to look good. You know, like Tyron Smith is not going full go right now against Randy Gregory. And, and so, you know, all that context is necessary, but the point is he looks remarkably great for somebody who's had the career that he has had, who has missed the time that he has missed. And that's a really positive thing. The Cowboys really need an edge rusher opposite of DeMarcus Lawrence to step up, and they might finally have that dude. I was toying with picking Randy Gregory as my most underrated Cowboy when we did that activity this offseason. It's just kind of like it's still kind of like wake me up when Randy Gregory is actually playing and not suspended and is actually like doing this in real games. Um, I'm still kind of there with it because – it's kind of like it's almost to the point, not quite, but like along the lines of Josh Gordon. I, I feel like people mm. still get excited about Josh Gordon whenever he gets unsuspended, and they're like, "This is it! This is the time!" <laughs> and then he comes, and then he plays, and he has like a good game or two, and then like he gets suspended at the end. It's like, yeah, this everyone knew this was going to happen. Like if you were surprised, like you're not paying attention. So I'm kind of still there with Randy Gregory. Like I'll believe it when I see it, and maybe he has a nice stretch. And even then, okay, like I'm seeing it, but is he going to get suspended again, like later in the season? So uh, until he actually makes it through the entire season, I will not assume that he is going to. That's fair. I mean, there's a lot of proving it that people want to see from Andy Gregory. But as far as where we are very early in the process, he's, he's checking off the right boxes, which is encouraging. I don't think he'll play on Thursday. I don't think most of the starters will play. Um, I think it will be backup city. Uh, it's been a long time since the Cowboys were in the Hall of Fame game. And so, I mean, in terms of like drawing up expectations for this, there are some players who have not popped in camp yet that it would be nice to see play well. Uh, one of them is Bradley and I. I don't know how much or if Bradley will play at all. Uh, Bradley was the Cowboys' fifth-round pick last year. Actually, Daniel Jeremiah had him graded as the best overall value pick that any team had in 2020. Last year, when the season was completely broken for the Cowboys, we screamed for them to play him. They didn't want to. So Bradley and I has not gotten a lot of playing time. He He really has not shined that much in camp and that's you know for somebody that was super highly touted i mean a big fan of like or had a lot of fans in like draft twitter last year uh really has not done much it it would it would be nice to see him again he's been dealing with some stuff if he does get a chance to play i I think i'm not saying his spot on the team is like really in jeopardy uh but i i think he could really barely benefit himself with a solid showing against pittsburgh so that's number 56. Uh, I want to give the numbers to you here, too, because I feel like, you know, if there are any Eagles fans who just sure. Wanna, if that's a good idea. Be, yeah, well, there's some Eagles fans who are going to be watching the game, I'm sure. Every um, Eagles fan is going to be like, there's not an NFL fan that's not going to watch this game on Thursday. 
And it's just like, I wanted to give them a couple of players like to keep an eye on, like, you know, because a lot of these players are just backups they have no idea about and might not really even matter anyway. But it's like, you know, just here are a couple of players to maybe like keep an eye on, see if they do something. Okay. Uh, so he's number 56. Uh, you're mm. right. Good good job by you. I would also say Connor McGovern. And there's there are actually two Connor McGoverns in the NFL. Both are offensive linemen. Uh, That's but, right. but this one is a, a Penn State Nittany Lion. So someone that a lot of Eagles fans uh, would know well, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Um, and has not panned out, really. Um, the, the 2019 class for the Cowboys looks kind of rough. The best pick from there right now is Tony Pollard. And that is said with the context of the fact that he plays behind Zeke Elliott. Um, and Connor McGovern was the pick before Tony Pollard in the third round. And there was a lot of promise, a lot of hope that he would offer, you know, a potential to be the team's future left guard, maybe future center, had some work at center, but um, has not really developed into that. Um, he's gotten opportunities in camp just, you know, because of rotations and things like that. It would be great to see Connor McGovern play really well. The Cowboys have, uh, obviously, Tyron Smith is their, is their left tackle, and Zach Martin at right guard, and Lyle Collins at right tackle. Tyler Biotish, who they picked up because of the draft day trade with Philadelphia last year, is their center, and Connor Williams, their left guard. They have played so far throughout camp Connor Williams at center different times as a backup option of sorts because he has that flexibility. And in those moments, Connor McGovern has seen work at left guard. It would be cool to see Connor McGovern do well because it hasn't really he really has like never played with the Cowboys and now, you know, going on his third season. So that's number 66. And now you pick two linemen here, which like you're not really giving me you're not throwing me a bone here because this is like this is like boring stuff here. I know it's it's important stuff. Okay. So the meat and potatoes, um, but it's not exciting. What's the, like give me a skill player that maybe uh people should be watching. So I don't think his spot on the roster is in jeopardy, but Cedric Wilson had a really mm. nice start to the season last year. Um, obviously with Dak Prescott has a really great rapport with Dak Prescott. Actually, Cedric also uh, on the subject of numbers switched to number one this year. I see he, that here. He was number 11, um, but the Cowboys yanked it away to give it to Micah Parsons, obviously. Um, mm. So, um, Cedric is a Boise State product. The Cowboys love their Broncos and really, you know, again, was off to a great start with Dak, actually threw Dak a touchdown in the game that Dak was hurt in. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and so he's this great athlete, but he has not popped at camp. Like, that's surprising to me. I, like, his, in no way is his spot on the team in jeopardy. Um, they did tender him this year, so I don't know what his future looks like. But if the Cowboys do move on from one of Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup next year, it would be nice to have Cedric kind of come in and assimilate himself to be that third dude in 2022. And I don't know how many opportunities go his way. The Cowboys have a lot of skill players that they really like, but he, and maybe the reason he hasn't had a time to shine is because, you know, CD has been shining. Gal's been shining. Amari hasn't been there, but Amari hasn't been there. And Cedric still has not really done much. So I would love to see Cedric Wilson really just kind of be like, okay, this dude is different on a similar note. You know, the Cowboys drafted this year out of Stanford, a, a dude who, like, this is not a joke. A lot of people thought had very similar physical traits to DK Metcalf and Simi Fahoko out of Stanford. He's number 81, uh, one of the greatest numbers that a wide receiver can wear, as we both agree. Yep. Um, the greatest number, I would say, but yeah. And nothing. Not, I mean, like, he is this, again, to be physically comped to DK Metcalf, like, we have not seen much of him in camp. And that's, if you're a, a late round wide receiver pick, this is your Nirvana, the Hall of Fame game. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see, I don't know if you remember Rico Gathers, the basketball player, the Cowboys turned into a tight end. Like, he had a, he had a preseason game. 
the Cowboys cut him. He he oh. also had a music career. Um, wow. so he had a lot of off the field interests. Um, but yeah, that was there. There were a lot of Rico stands uh, in Cowboys Nation. It was that was a long time ago. But um, but yeah, like he had a preseason game against the Rams where he had two touchdowns, and it was like, holy crap, this is it! Like this is really happening. That's what I would love to see. I would love to see Simi Fajoko. And I think I think Cedric might get yanked earlier because he's a little bit more important to the offense. But Simi Fajoko is going to play a ton. And I would love to see him really kind of announce himself with you know the competition being a little bit lower. Okay, so 1, 81, 56, and 66 are the four big numbers to watch, according to RJ. I will add one more. To give us okay, a, a nice, you mentioned, you know, we do winners and losers. We also do a lot of like five this, five that. Like you can't do a blog post with four something. You know what mm. I mean? Like it's, it's be lame. Yeah. Four is a terrible um, number. Who would like that number? Mm-hmm. Maybe a future Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. Who knows? But either way, um, this one's kind of obvious too, but Ben DiNucci. Um, and like, I'm excited because, <laughs> well, hear me out. I'm excited because obviously he was a rookie last year. And he mm. had to play on Sunday Night Football against the Eagles and was terrible. But it, it was like no surprise that he was terrible. This is this is his level, right? Like preseason, Hall of Fame game. He didn't get a chance last year. So I'm excited mm. to see him play. You can't, you know, it's like when you when you first fire up Mario, you don't go to face Bowser when you're the little version. You know what I mean? Like you got to eat some mushrooms. You got to get the, the flower where you can spit the fire. You know what I'm saying? Like he's still the little version of Mario. We need to see him up against the little... Uh, what are they called? You know, I'm talking about little guys you jump on and smush. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like that's that's what the preseason is. And I'm I'm excited Goombas. to see like Oombas, thank you. If he no, Goombas. Oh, Goombas, whatever. It, I was I almost said Oompa Loompas, and I know that's Willy Wonka. Um yeah. if, if he's terrible in this environment, okay, let's move on. And I'm not even saying I don't want to move on, but Let's see what he looks like here before we fully call Ben DiNucci's Cowboys career a closed book. Because, I, I mean, like, I'll dismiss Cooper Rush way before I'll dismiss Ben DiNucci. And I'm not even saying, like, I really want to carry Ben DiNucci on the 53-man roster or anything like that. But I always like to see quarterbacks down the roster. You never know what you have. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you're a quarterback factory and you don't know it. Uh, maybe. Uh, ben DiNucci, what jersey number does he wear? He is number seven. He is actually, though, this is an important distinction, one of two. Number I see seven. that the punter. Uh, well, that's a long story. The punter Hunter Nicewander, who's actually also kicking right now because Greg Zerline is on the pup list. Hunter Nicewander wore Hunter number nice one. Wonder. Yeah, uh, he wore number one last year, but Cedric Wilson took number one because Micah Parsons took eleven. All right, this has been way too much Cowboys talk. So we're wrapping this up. All right. Do you have any final thoughts, RJ? Um, I'm happy football's back. I just had a coughing spree. Uh, I've been on like eight podcasts today, so my voice is starting to tire on me. Uh, I know it's that time of year for you, too. Um, yeah. So football's here. Next time we speak, there will be another Cowboys game on the mend or on the rise, an Eagles game on the rise. Um, so, yeah. yeah. What, uh, my last question for you, BLG, what will you be eating on Thursday when you watch a football game? This Thursday? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good question. And it's a fu- and this this is a because like it's not an Eagles game where you have to work through it. So it's a football game you can truly right. totally watch like in an innocent, you know, pure organic way. Yeah, so that's a really good question. I might go with the too good to go app that I have and pick something up from like you know some leftovers up on the cheap, or um, I don't know, maybe make a frozen pizza. I like a frozen pizza, RJ. I gotta tell you, I, I, I and. No free, you know, ads, although I am giving them right now because I'm saying that Tombstone to me is the best best frozen pizza hands down. 
there is something to like, let me preheat the oven. You know what I mean? And I got to do it at the right time. So it comes out at the right time. And the, you just get the like bottle of ranch out of the fridge and you just dip it in. Are you a ranch with pizza oh. guy? Uh, I am not opposed to it. I like it. I don't do it all the time. You know, uh, just it's not my move, you know, maybe health reasons, but that's, that's not even a really good reason because I do like to, as my shout out to my grandmother who is a big fan of the term and the activity of doctoring things up. She likes to doctor her food and I kind of like to do that too. So, you know, I'm making a frozen pizza. I'm putting some extra oregano on there or some pepper flakes or some, you know, I'll get crazy. I'll put pickles on it and it's good. I like it. Sorry, everyone. It's good. I'll do hot peppers on there. I have uh, like a lote seasoning from Trader Joe's. I'll put that on there. I'll put a bunch of different things and not always like all together, mixing them together, like the individual slices. I'll put different seasonings on to, to make it fun. It's a fun experience. Um, I don't like you pickles. In ge- I don't like You're pickles so in mad. general. Like, oh, and like for somebody who loves order and organization as much as you do, like the fact that the, yeah. that the, the slices would be different is really stupid to me. Like they should all be I, equal. I yeah, but it's orderly because it's each slice is its own thing. It's like its no, own like, little I, slice. I get bothered when I get a pepperoni pizza and then like one slice is like overloaded with pepperoni and one slice has like two pepperonis. You know what I mean? Well, like I'm, there's not balance. I'm cutting it and then dressing it up. I'm not like dressing mm. it up before it's cut because then it's, each piece is getting its own attention. You got to have hot sauce on there too, obviously, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm right. You're wrong. Once again, it's, it's sad to see, but uh, it's just the, the case. And not only a preseason game, RJ, but Hard Knocks, right? That's coming up. Hard Knocks debuts next Tuesday, so we will have an episode of the NFC's mixtape that goes up after, although I don't know if we'll record before, but that remains to be seen. Also, actual last thing before we get out of here, BLG, the Hall of Fame enshrinement is this weekend. There are some NFC East people that are entering it. Harold Carmichael, uh, give us a little little just ditty about Harold Carmichael and what he means to the Eagles. Uh, some say the tallest receiver in Eagles history. Also, obviously, has a lot of the Eagles receiving stats all time. Great player. Also, uh, he served with the Eagles for a time uh, in different roles. He, he caught a lot of passes. Like, there's there's people in the Eagles organization who believe that Harold Carmichael like owns the Guinness Book World Record of most football caught by like any human that's ever existed in their entire lives. Because obviously he did a lot as a player and everything. But afterwards, like in terms of being, you know, on the Eagles coach, not like he wasn't a coach, but he was like an assistant, you know, and he would catch, you know, passes for quarterbacks or whoever a lot or, or receivers, you know, for them doing drills. So uh, he had this, not only was a great player, but like by all accounts too, he was a great human being. Um, my aunt actually met him. Uh, she had won this thing where like she bought this hat and he signed it. And she, she said he was like the sweetest man uh, she's ever met. Like just by all counts, a really good dude. And I know people who actually worked for the Eagles uh, with Harold Carmichael when he was still with them, kind of older. And just every so everyone has the same thing to say about him. Like he's just really just the sweetest, nicest guy. Uh, so that's good to see. It's not only a great player um, and very shortly a former Cowboy. But we don't like to talk about that. <laughs> Obviously known for being with the Eagles. Uh, but just a great guy. So, yeah, big shout out to Harold Carmichael for, for finally getting in. It was honestly overdue. Very cool. Uh, part of the Centennial class, uh, which you know got a lot of people in, including Cliff Harris, former Cowboy safety, Captain Crash, uh, really part, you know, important part of the 70s teams that won two Super Bowls, obviously. Um, kind of a beloved member of that defense. Um, very cool to see him. Love Cliff, but the other two are kind of stealing headlines from him just because they're such big headlines. Obviously, I don't know which one's a bigger headline, but I'll I'll go in this order. Drew Pearson's getting in. I mean, 
I think everybody saw uh, after the Centennial Class nomination, the video of him breaking down, how heartbroken he was about it. I mean, I I love when when players and guys are honest with how much it means to them um, because it, it changes your life, right? Like if you're whoever you are, you sign autographs for the rest of your life, HOF, like that that adds to your, your legacy in your life. And so um, Drew Pearson was the only member of the 1970s all-decade NFL team who was not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, mm-hmm. Thankfully, that has been rectified. An undrafted free agent. Very difficult path uh, to start him in the NFL. The original 88, everybody obviously remembers Michael Irvin and obviously Dez and now CeeDee Lamb, but uh, Drew Pearson was the first one to make it legendary. And then I do think that the most noise will be made about Jimmy Johnson. Um, There's a lot to be said about Jimmy. We don't have enough time, uh, but kind of the final infinity stone, so to speak, of the 90s Cowboys getting in with the triplets already in, Jerry's in. Um, you know, really, everybody saw last year the announcement and how special it was for him when he found out. Troy Aikman's going to present him. I'm really excited to see that speech. Uh, if any Eagles fan doesn't know, Jimmy actually tried to recruit Troy twice in college uh, when he was at Miami. Um, Troy, when he first went to Oklahoma, that's where Troy Aikman first went to college, Uh, Then he transferred to UCLA, and Jimmy tried to recruit him both times and then wound up being the head coach of the team that had the number one overall draft pick when Troy entered the NFL. Um, So it's really cool kind of just to see all that take hold. Um, Very excited about that. Uh, So three Cowboys, one Eagle, and one giant BLG George Young, who kind of established respect back to the New York Giants a long, long, long time ago, kind of made them relevant again uh, in the 80s. Obviously, I mean, maybe maybe made them relevant for the first time since like we're talking OG Frank Gifford 60s level football. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe the Giants, not maybe they do need their new George Young. Maybe maybe one day they'll find that. But uh, in, in the meantime, they're just going to have to enshrine the old one and uh, look back to the time when they were actually good. Uh, last thing, Jimmy Johnson's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame now and not in the Cowboys Ring of Honor which upsets a lot of Cowboys fans. So uh, that is what it is. All right. This was fun. Football's back. BLG, the final word as always belongs to you. Make it a good one. Devontae Smith. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.